0: You are listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the All Weather Fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get to it. Baltimoreans, Hello, love Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Happy thirty-one games over five hundred. You know that's very exciting.
1: I think that even more exciting is ten and three season record against your Toronto Blue Jays.
0: Can I say something about that? I know that we played them, what, five fewer times than we did last year. I feel like all we did this year is play the Blue Jays. <laughs>
1: <laughs> constantly, constantly playing the Blue Jays.
0: Just every time you turn around, play in the Blue Jays.
1: <laughs> <laughs> More Blue Jays all the time. Yeah, I, I don't remember... Um, I, I think it's because each Blue Jays series, even though we ended up 10 and three against them, um, comes with it uh, a feeling of absolute dread in the pit of my stomach, which I guess obviously makes the um, whole experience all that more, much much more memorable. But uh, yeah, they were, they were constant. And it turns out we were constantly beating them. Yes. They did not win a series against us this year.
0: Yes, which if you had asked me, and you know, I like everybody listening to this have been following the Orioles very closely this season. If you had said, <laughs> Sam, what is the Orioles' record against the Toronto Blue Jays in 2023? I would have been like two and 12. Nine, <laughs> nine, I, I was going to say
1: nine and seven. If it had gone to my head, I would have said nine and seven. Yeah. Even and though then, that is more games than we have played against the Blue Jays.
0: It just, it feels nowhere close to as, yeah, right. My, my real feeling is like, oh, and 162. <laughs> Um, it just, it feels our dominance of them this year. And I want to give a shout out to, um, <clears throat> Kevin Brown on the broadcast last night. I think, uh, calling, uh, even though Ryan Mountcastle didn't have a good game, he called him the King of Canada, <laughs> <Which was laughs> a better nickname than you and I have ever come up with for Ryan Mountcastle.
1: But um, also interesting because Kevin Brown almost certainly took that from Orioles Twitter which, in turn, I think means Ooh, that he's uh, he's reading his tweets.
0: <laughs> he seems like a guy who would be reading the tweets. I it makes me love him even more. Makes me love him yeah. even more. Um, although I hope uh, I hope he didn't just like steal that without attribution. Whoever actually came no, up no, with I King think, of Canada, I think it, I think it was. I shouts. think it was
1: multiple sources. I think it was in the, it just in the water.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, anyway, I just, you know, the King of Canada thing is a reference to the fact that Mountcastle alongside all the other Orioles have been totally dominant of the Blue Jays this year. And yet, it doesn't feel that way cuz it's the Blue Jays. I mean, yeah. Look at just to, just to give a, a specific example. <clears throat> George Springer basically did nothing against us this entire season. Every time that man steps into the batter's box, yeah. I am convinced that he is going to hit it 450 feet to left center field because I have so much George Springer PTSD, post-traumatic Springer disorder. <laughs> it's serious. It's real stuff. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Well, um, <clears throat> folks, as we told you last week, uh, we have we have become – professional podcasters here uh, and we have a format for the broadcast and we are going to do that format again by hook or by crook and that format is this Uh, we're going to start off by each saying something that we loved this week then we're both going to say something that concerned us and then we'll come to a big idea for the the back part of the broadcast, Smith. Do so you know, what did you love from the Orioles this week? Oh, I, I'm so glad you asked. How generous of you! And and thank you. Um, something that I loved this week was Jacob Webb,
1: and that was mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Let's just let's just have a, a web love fe- love fest. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What? A performance this man has been giving us. Uh, Jeff Arnold on the radio broadcast has been started referring to him as "Everyday Jake," uh, which I think is apt. Um, and like the Yannick Cano thing, you know, I'm sure it won't be forever. But there have been a number of games of recent vintage that we have won, where Jacob Webb, I think, inarguably is the most valuable player in the game, and <clears throat> you know. I know we've had a lot of negative things to say with good reason about the Orioles' uh, ownership recently and have uh, been unexpectedly to, I think everybody involved, praiseworthy of Elias and the front office. Um, And, you know, this is yet another example of them showing a remarkable affinity for finding a uh, (laughs) what's-that-name-again type reliever who just is available for some reason and... Either, you know, had some skill that nobody realized before, or just needed a change of scenery, and is invaluable to the cause.
1: I uh, have really enjoyed it. I've really, um, you know he he's not uh, he, he's not as um, overwhelming, I guess mm-hmm. as. Uh, Kano during that streak yep. or what what Fuji even is when Fuji is on mm-hmm. like it, it it doesn't feel like unhittable he just feels incredibly competent mm-hmm. um and i think it's really interesting to you know part of me is where you are which is like another feather in the elias um moneyball uh, like seeing something in the deep statistics that everybody else missed cap but another thing that i think we would be remiss not to mention is like man that angels organization cannot get out of its own way it's so sad it's so sad i mean obviously the entire baseball universe is mourning the otani injury um, for good reason although it seems like he's going to hit this weekend against the Mets. <laughs> so he's still a Superman. Yes. He's just like a slightly like <laughs> limited Superman for a period of time. Yeah, like He's still su- the best slugger in baseball. He's just not also
0: the best pitcher in baseball yeah, for it's a while. Like, it's like Superman. If Superman had a torn owner collateral ligament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, but you know, that and the trout lasting one game before going back on Ugh, the yeah. IL are, are obviously much larger concerns for the Angel franchise than whether or not their like reliever was a bad choice which reliever they chose to designate for assignment was a bad choice but like the fact that this guy came right in and is doing this in a high pressure situation yeah in a pennant race in the AL East, which is a terrifying fucking place to pitch. Yes. Um, In high leverage, late
0: game situations,
1: high leverage, late game situations. um, You guys couldn't find that in him. Like, I I, I don't, I don't think that the, I think that the Orioles pitching, uh, pitching coaches are great. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say a bad word about them. I don't think, they monkeyed with his mechanics that much in the last like couple of weeks to wildly change this guy's profile. I Jacob, mean, they only
0: had him Jacob, stay with us. Have you considered throwing the ball with your right hand? <laughs> <laughs> what? I could have been doing this the whole time.
1: <laughs> I also am not left-handed. Um <laughs> Yeah, like, what, what were you guys doing over there in Anaheim that you just like gave him to us? Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was my high of the week, but uh, wow, weird. Um, yeah, Everyday Jake, what a what a great week for Everyday Jake.
0: What a great week, and and you know, I, I, just to say, like to tag off what you were saying, like I think it's really wise of you, and I I appreciate you pointing out that. <clears throat> this story doesn't just have context for our beloved Baltimore Orioles, but that it also is a, just a, one of the smaller, but still very, very sharp knives in the stomach that angels fans have had to deal with. Um, and I just want to say, I hope that there can be some kind of light at the end of the tunnel for angels fans and, athletics fans and White Sox fans. The, I, I mean, I know, you know, we had more John Angelos nonsense this week, but.
1: I think, I think you're starting to move into
0: uh, bad. Uh, should we, should we go ahead and just, and jump, jump that jump. And yeah, um, <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't going to pick this, but I th- I think this is more important than what I was going to pick, um, which is, yeah. I mean, the directionlessness of those three organizations, the Athletics, the White Sox, and mm. the Angels, is just so bleak. You know, I mean, <clears throat> say what you will about John Angelos, you know, creating a hostage situation <laughs> in Baltimore. And, and we have. <laughs> say what you will. I don't mind if we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, But (laughs) slander, that's our stock and trade. Um, But at least, you know, you can say of the Orioles, the one good thing you can say of John Angelus is that he has let Mike Elias do his thing. And that thing seems to be, at the moment, a good thing. Um, The absolute kneecapping of those teams by their ownership resulting in no trace of a signal for the fan base that this is ever going to improve, I mean, that has got to just be so deeply demoralizing. Like, on what planet, when you have well-documented clubhouse issues, I'm talking about the White Sox now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you solve that clubhouse issues on a team that is by any statistical measure very talented. There are excellent baseball players on the Chicago White Sox many of whom were uh, drafted developed and or traded for by Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn who were both fired this week How on earth do you reach the conclusion that firing them is the move? What? Yeah Well you know We've said
1: a lot of stuff about um, the sort of naked way in which um, uh, the the A's are like uh, lining up a move, being bad to sort of like um, knock out all but the most hardcore fans so that when they eventually move to another place, um, that isn't the end time, um, or like there's not, there's not that much resistance. I guess is like I, my my read on what the A's ownership have been doing for the last couple of years. Um, I wouldn't have thought this of uh, Reinsdorf and the and the mm-hmm. White Sox ownership mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it seems like those guys are like Chicago through and through. Yeah, but the more I read about this decision. The more it's starting to feel to me like, is he trying to line up a move to Nashville? Yeah. Like, is he trying to pull the same game where he takes this team? I mean, he still, he still, he still owns the the um, Bulls, right? But I guess if you view franchises entirely as investments, which it seems like Ryan more and more does, yeah. Um, and he has like, you know, he has the entire last dance to remind us that he, he, <laughs> he, he shat on and was not respectful towards the brilliance of one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah if he's going like, to be
0: like, if he's going to behave that way towards Michael Jordan, good luck, good luck, uh, Eloy Jimenez. You know? Yeah, like, exactly.
1: Exactly. Tim Anderson, not going to do great. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Dylan Cease. I'll <laughs> um, oh, come to Baltimore, Dylan. Um, the, from an entirely naked Orioles fan perspective, um, it would give me like a little bit of schadenfreude to watch Angelos's like dreams of the Orioles moving to um, (laughs) Nashville be capped by someone getting there first. Yes. Um,
0: This this Rhinestors thing does have strong owner hold my beer energy now that you're mentioning it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really does. I just wonder if that's like where it's all going. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know (laughs) what else you explain those choices for, except for like a kind of, oh, I see what's happening in Oakland. I see a bad team on paper. Maybe I can monetize this. Like franchises have gone up in value so much. Reinsdorf is not a young man. Um, like maybe he's going to try to make a move or try to sell in such a way as to like really blow open that valuation of his, of his team.
0: I guess, I guess, I mean, <clears throat> it's just so mystifying. I, I, I'm, I, I guess what you're, what I, what I'm really saying is your explanation that this is part of a larger gambit to sell the team and, uh, move it to Nashville and cash out in a major way. That is the only explanation I can think of for right. a move as transparently a, anti-winning, a strategic, yeah, <laughs> as as firing Ken Williams and and Rick Hahn is. It, that, that's the only way that it makes sense. Under un, in any other and you know because this all this stuff always does boil down to following the money and you know whether or not an owner has figured out a way to make his the pocket linings even thicker it probably is the explanation like i, I think you solved it out <laughs> i
1: think you're... well i mean you know i don't wish that on anybody um especially not uh you know uh, no i don't wish that on anybody i don't wish that on on the chicago white Sox fans um i I, I don't wish that for Baltimore Orioles fans. I, I don't like yeah. how owners are able to do that, but it doesn't, I don't know. doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise.
0: Well, so can I ask you this? Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I think was a, another sharp knife in the many sharp knives embedded in the stomachs of Angels fans um, was the fact that Otani's injury Uh, you know, either happened or came to light after the trading deadline. Um, Uh. And so now, uh, if the Angels pay a bunch of money to keep Otani, they're doing it to keep a player whose value, while still astronomical, is uncertain going forward because who knows how he's going to bounce back from this, especially since it's the second time his, his pitching arm has been injured, I believe. And had they same injury, yeah. And how had they traded him? They, you know, it's just another reason that like trading him in hindsight was so obviously the right move. But but from the lens that you and I prefer to take, Smith, I'm really curious. You know, what do you think you would have thought if if you're really honest with yourself, if 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 Otani played for the Orioles and the Orioles were a bubble team, which is, I think, a generous way of characterizing where the Angels were in late July. Um, And it was like, do you sell Otani and extract maximum value from him right now in hopes of building a brighter future? This team's washed and, you know, we need to hit the reset button. Or damn the torpedoes, we're going all in because baseball is about heart and wings and prayers, which is, you know, at least... From a PR standpoint, uh, what Moreno did with the Angels, do you think you would have? You have a sense of which of those options you would have been rooting for if if it was the Orioles in that scenario.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think so, and I think we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Without a plan, mm-hmm. without any sense that there was sort of like a strategic direction of the organization, mm-hmm. I'm rooting for them to tear it down and rebuild from studs. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: and has just happened with the Orioles. Uh, Mm -hmm. like we, we, we just did that, (coughs) you know, we had, I don't think that Machado was not Otani, but Machado was a pretty
0: Hall of Famer, definitely Hall of Famer.
1: And, and, and a, uh, you know, someone we had rooted for on the way up and, Mm -hmm. and someone we Mm -hmm. cared about. Um, You know, so I think that we did do that (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we did that, um, you know, I think that that team was maybe generous to us emotionally because Mm -hmm. they didn't stay on the bubble even. Like that bubble popped earlier in the season, so there wasn't like that moment of decision. It was like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. this is over. This run is over. Pack the bags. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that even that and my Tottenham fandom, which is like, sparked new life under a new manager who seems to actually have a plan and like a vision for how Mm
0: -hmm.
1: soccer Mm -hmm. should be played and like all that stuff. And it's like, you do have to commit to a direction and it is a painful thing. And it causes players that I have loved and players that I have rooted for and have emotional attachment to, to like change teams and disappear and not be featured in the same way. And that sucks. But um, at the same time, like just having a direction and a faith that everyone in the organization is moving in that direction is really like, I, I would root for that. I would root for a feeling of like,
0: yeah. hope yeah.
1: is on the way, even mm-hmm. if hope is not here now, versus like this kind of like, I mean, because I I don't know, did I I've only talked to a few angel. I only have a few sort of angel adjacent people in my life, but there is no sense from any of them that hope is on the way. Like yeah, was oh. like even when we were talking about like the deadline, like they were mm-hmm. like, "There's no yeah, this team doesn't
0: have it." <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and I mean, yeah, I I think I think. You're also pointing out something that is, I don't think this is just because you and I have maybe evolved slightly in the 10 years we've been doing this podcast, but I think it's also, you know, that fandom has changed sufficiently in the way that like, I think most people who follow baseball anyway, at this point now realize that hope, you
1: don't want to be in that squishy middle. Yes, you either want to be good or you want to be bad.
0: <laughs> yes, and that it is actually the more hopeful move to sell the mm-hmm. high-priced assets that you have in terms of a long-term rebuild, provided there's a plan in place. That is ten times out of ten the move to make, and not to push in all the chips on you know mm-hmm. one or two uh, studs and hope that they carry the team on their backs the rest of the way. Otherwise you get the 2023 New York Yankees, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, Oh, that's so, that's that's such a great,
1: what a, what a wonderful turn of events that is. Although I'm going to need them to like be at least competent this weekend and they can go back to sucking. I don't need them to (laughs) be competent this weekend. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, Well, wait,
1: I have to say the bad thing that for my week, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which is that, uh, unless you were a very savvy uh, connector of dots, you, uh, as, a, as a listener to this podcast, you would not have heard the new, um, I would say, uh, significantly better produced, significantly higher production value version of a sports podcast that Sam Dingman is hosting um, <laughs> because we didn't mention it on this podcast, but everyone should go listen to Sports explains the world. Sam, thanks. Why man. didn't you tell us about this?
0: Uh, That's my bad. <laughs> I, I thank you for 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 pimping my ride. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I would love for folks to check out this show. Um, one of the reasons I have been holding off on it a little bit is because I have. So Sports Explains the World, just to say, is a 45-episode docu-series that I have the privilege of being the host of. It's produced uh, by a trio of really amazing podcast companies, Wondery, Campside Media, and perhaps of greatest note for sports fans listening to this show, Meadowlark Media, which is the home of, among other things, Lebitard and Friends, which is easily the best like talking yeah. head sports podcast in the game right now. Um, and so I'm, I'm truly honored to be a part of this project. And if you like, uh, long form, this American lifestyle storytelling, and you like the types of documentaries that they did on 30 for 30, this is your show. Like it's literally what would happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Asp-
0: the aspiration at least is what would happen if you glued those two shows together, you would get sports explains the world. um, so I hope everybody will check it out. It it just came out this week. There's uh at this moment three episodes in the feed. One is about um, a 16 year old kid who tricks a major league soccer team into signing an unknown hunter and football star or football player rather who uh, was not a star, but this 16 year old kid made the world think he was a star. Um, and the second uh, episode is a two part series about a murder mystery about a downhill skier in the 70s. Fascinating stuff. Um, the reason I've been holding off a little bit though, uh, in talking about it is because what I'm hoping to do with, with your blessing, Smith is next week, um, on our show, I'd like to play a little clip from a story that I did for sports explains the world, which is a love letter to Chuck Thompson, former radio broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, which features among other things, an in-depth interview that I did with John Miller and, uh, and, uh, Fred Manfra and Andy Freed, who uh, broadcasts <laughs> cool. uh, the, uh, does the radio play by play for the Tampa Bay Rays, but grew up in Baltimore and, and was a, a disciple of John Miller and lover of Chuck Thompson as all right. Thinking people are,
1: when is that episode likely to hit the feed
0: that will hit the sports explains the world feed on Wednesday of next week. Great. Um, and great. In case you forget to mark your calendars, uh, we'll, we'll play a little <laughs> excerpt from it on on Baltimoreans this week. But, um, you know, I, I have to say, uh, if you like anything that we do here on Baltimoreans, um, I think you will enjoy that show. Uh, I owe, you know, any whatever I have brought to that show to my collaboration with you, Mr. Smith, and um, to the uh, good people who have been listening to us low these many years and. There is a very fun Baltimoreans cameo in my John Miller piece,
1: so <laughs> and probably also production value, <laughs> which uh, you know <laughs> we we come and go on here. Yes, so often. yes, you know. exactly, exactly. Um, uh, cool, 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 cool. Um, I think that that's uh something that everyone should. I've I've enjoyed the first. I guess it's two stories, three episodes mm-hmm. that I've got a chance to hear. Um, and I think you you Baltimoreans might uh might also enjoy that. Um, and while we're talking about plugs, uh, I think one of the things that, um, we're considering Sam and I over the co- the rest of this year is to see if we can, um, get our shit together to do a live call of a game. Yes. So, um, one of the things that works when we do that is really a fun thing to kind of get a bunch of people on together. We're probably going to do it while while y'all are at work. So that's going to make it a little more challenging, but like, are your jobs really that important? Ours really are not. (laughs) Come hang out with us. Uh, We'll talk more about that in the future. Okay, Sam, what's our big thought for the week?
0: Yes. Uh, Well, my my big thought for the week is it was announced, uh, I think, late yesterday, maybe early today, that Adam Jones is going to um, formally retire as an Oriole on Friday, September 15th. Uh, right in the midst of that pivotal uh, mid-September series against the Rays. And obviously, this is exciting just for sentimental reasons. But And you tell me if you think I'm making too much of this, Alan. But obviously, there's no shortage of Adam Jones' love on this show or amongst any right-thinking person in the Orioles' fan base. And... The thing that I have always loved about Adam Jones is that he seems to care as much about, you know, being a thoughtful civic presence as he does about just being a, you know, a really exciting, Mayor of Baltimore. intelligent baseball player. And He hosts a podcast for the Baltimore Banner, which is a really fun listen. I don't know if other folks have checked it out. I really, I was a little, at first I was like, I wonder if this will be any good. And it's great. Um, And, you know, if you know anything about Adam Jones, you know that he's plugged in. He pays attention and he cares about the off the field stuff as much as he cares about the on the field stuff. And I can't help taking it as a sign that he is still willing to publicly associate himself with the team and, you know, throw himself into its embrace, that he on some level thinks that organizationally we are going to weather the Angelos storm. Um, Mm. Because I think if he was concerned at a really, really deep level about the kinds of things Angelos wants to do to the city... I just don't know that he would be embracing re-embracing this, the team and the fan base so openly. Um, Mm. Even, even if it would. you know, I think it has more to do. It it has more to do with just the fact that, um, you know, the team is really exciting and relevant again. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Am I making too much of that? No,
1: I love that. I mean, I think that there's two other thoughts that I have. One is, um, how savvy to put it then because that's almost a guaranteed sellout and almost a guaranteed win um which we're (laughs) desperately desperately going to need at that moment i hope we don't desperately hopefully we already got it locked up but i suspect that we will need to win uh, at least two of those games uh in that four game homestand so um let's go ahead and get one of those in the bank right now um (laughs) that's brilliant i also think it's interesting you know i think that 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 all you said is correct, but also I have observed some. I don't think it was ever a divorce, but like some trial separation between yes. Adam and the Orioles yes. over the last couple of years. Um, maybe at least in part because he didn't think that the team was quite ready to be rebuilt mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in that moment, and I think that like this is in some ways an acknowledgement that that was the right course. Um, and it happening now is sort of like uh, a little bit of an Adam Jones hat tip to okay, I see I see what you guys were doing when you tore out my team's heart and yeah. sold it for the parts that would become this team.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think that the, those are those are both interesting things. But you know, I I I hope that you're right. I mean, I think um, if anything, I think like. I don't know so much about the the sort of vision that Angelo's does or doesn't have for Baltimore because I don't really believe him in that. Like, I think I think that the sort of like he hasn't showed us any plans, and I think that a lot of the things that he has mentioned are, um, you know, he's he's the way even the way he phrased it in that New York Times article where he was like, or maybe a school, or maybe a da da da. It's like, well, you, you know, that's not really like commitment. And we've seen again and again and again Mm -hmm. and again and again, even in the footprint of where you and I actually live in Brooklyn, like when there are big developments, the first thing that is on the list is always affordable housing and um, sort of like civic infrastructure. And the first thing off the list, once the (laughs) shovels go in the ground is affordable housing and and civic infrastructure. So, you know, believe that when I see it, I do think it does suggest like the lease is going to get signed and they're not going to move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure about sort of like the vision that Angelos has for the, the Harbor, but I do think that, you know, um, Jones wouldn't be a part of right. this if he had an in- inclination that like Nashville was a real play.
0: <laughs> right. Right. That the team was, was about to move. Um,
1: that's, or, yeah. That's uh, you a know, good I point.
0: Think, that's a good point. I think that like, You know, just just watching,
1: I guess I'm in my own echo chamber, but just watching sort of the Internet react to that New York Times piece really suggests that, like, nobody from, you know, Craig Calcetera and Ken Rosenthal all the way down to angry Orioles fan 9244 is at all convinced by this call for poverty. (laughs) Nobody's buying
0: it. Nobody
1: buys it. it. Nobody buys it. And so to that end, I can't imagine that the mayor buys it. Like, I can't yeah. imagine that, like, any sort of, like, city organizations buy it. And I kind of hope that they call his bluff. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of hope that, like, people are, like, you know, uh, holding this young roster hostage mm-hmm. over a, like, oh, maybe we won't be able to sign Adley. Who knows if <laughs> we'll have <be> able to da-da-da. <laughs> it's like, that's... Uh, that is that is a horrible bullshit.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we all know it's horrible bullshit and that those two things are in no way connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I, I hope that that the sort of like um, um, naked attempt at not only double feathering, but triple feathering his own nest mm-hmm. on the backs of uh, owning this team, um, that they don't let that happen because yeah. I, I I think that if people call his bluff, he's
0: going to fold. Well, and what more appropriate way of you know holding this false poverty cry to the fire, especially in the context you just described, than having this on-field ceremony to honor the player who received what is, I believe, the longest contract extension of any Oriole of all time, not the biggest free agent contract. I think that goes to Chris Davis, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And still goes to Chris Davis today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Jones signed that, I think it was like six years, $80 million in 2012. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, I I think, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't need to continue to, uh, although I would, I would recommend, I recommended this on Twitter. I recommend again, cup of coffee, uh, Craig Calcaterra's weekly paid, or sorry, daily paid baseball newsletter. But he did a fantastic, like, blow by blow, sentence by sentence deconstruction of that New York Times article, um, and put paid to all of the different ways in which that was
0: um, nonsense. Yeah. Um, two more questions for you, Smith. Lightning, lightning round. One: okay. Would you retire Adam Jones's number? Yes or no? No. Okay. I think my answer is also no but I don't feel great about it. Two. Um you know as as usual as is our custom It's close though. It's it,
1: as close like
0: it's close. It's close. It's very very close. It is it's 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 a bubble call in the way that uh the angels um buying was not a bubble call. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh
1: the real question. But what but, but but would I be mad if they did? Absolutely not
0: yeah absolutely
1: great, not great, great like i, I just i it's just i was recently down there at the game with you and looking up at the numbers that are retired and like that is not a long list and it is I- exclusive
0: yeah yeah
1: fair enough fair enough now would i retire adley's number right now absolutely
0: <laughs> yes. let's go and fuck you mike Musina. <laughs> um okay uh Last question, most important question of the entire yeah. broadcast. Alan Smith, yeah. what would you call former Orioles outfield <laughs> prospect Henry Arrudia if he was trying to juice his caffeine intake while also keeping himself refreshed on a hot summer Baltimore morning? Henry Cold yes. Rurudia? Br- yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> You beautiful bastard! Yes, what an incredible <sighs> note to end on. Go, Go O's, O's. Yeah. Baltimoreans.